Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a journey. Everybody's life does not, you know, uh, always go as it's planned. You know, the gospel said, don't think it's strange by the fiery trial that is to try you as though something unusual is happening. So it lets the people of God know that there may be times that unusual things happen. We Our life veers into uncharted territory, but we also know that whatever happens, whatever we see, whatever occurs in our life, that God's still in control. God's still got his hand on our life. And I love stories. I love testimonies. I love to hear uh, what God has done in people's lives. And we've got some folks this morning who are going to share their story with you this morning. And uh, so I want to uh, welcome all of these this morning. Monica, Morris, Lauren, and Ryan, would you give them a hand today? I appreciate them. I appreciate them. So I'm going to do my best to be Oprah this morning. No cars being given away at the end. Okay, so, uh, but I'm going to just kind of lead them through their story. So, Monica, we're going we're gonna to start with you. So, Monica, just tell, tell them your name this morning. I'm Dr. Monica Agimian. Monica, say your last name again. Agimian. Agimian, okay. Now, Monica, her story starts, uh, she is from Nigeria originally. So, we got a map up there. Just for those of you that don't know where Nigeria is at, okay, so you see it. She's from Africa originally. She is from Benin City. There's another uh, map up there. There you go, Benin City, kind of, kind of uh, at the uh, north, northwestern part of that. So, Monica, we're glad that you're here. Monica and her family, they've been here uh, for six, eight months, something like that, and she's got a great story. So, Monica, uh, your family is a little different uh, in Nigeria than kind of the American family kind of unit. Tell us a little bit about your family. How did you kind of start out? Okay. Thank you, Pastor Brian. I appreciate um, the opportunity to share my story with the people of God. Um, yeah, uh, Africa is different from America. And um, I came from a family of about 16. My dad had, you know, in Africa, a man is allowed to marry more than one wife. Not here. <laughs> so, um, we were a family of 16. I had 15 siblings. So it was kind of a huge family. And we had uh, uncles, aunts, cousins, you know, living together in, you know, uh, in harmony. You know, that is the usual setting in a lot of African homes, you know. So it's kind of a clan, the, the grandparents, the brothers, sisters, they all marry, they stay together. So how many, you had 16 siblings mm -hmm. out of your family, but in your family unit, how many people were living in your household? 
Well, in my family unit, we were um, in the house that belonged to my grandfather. We were like between 20 to 30 yeah. from different, um, my father's uh, siblings and their kids. So it was a very large kind of family setting. But that's kind of normal for Nigeria to kind of to, to live with an extended family? Yeah, uh, at least up to like 10 years ago, but things have kind of started changing. Okay. Yeah. We, can, we can bring that custom here to the U.S. if you would like, <laughs> you know, have your parents, your brothers and sisters. So, uh, uh, so tell us about your parents. Where'd they work? What did they do? Uh, my mom, um, she was, um, a re- she's a retired French teacher. My dad retired from the government. Yeah. And um, my mom had seven kids. But out of the 16 kids that my dad has, I'm kind of number eight. Number eight. Got it. Got it. So what was life like in Nigeria? It's different economically here than than there. So tell us maybe about what Nigeria was like, your life when you were kind of a kid. What was a a day in Nigeria or a week in Nigeria like? Yeah. uh, Back home... um, Things were kind of very different. Um, we lived in a kind of very harsh community in terms of um, support. Um, there was no government um, support, but we kind of had support from our families. And um, the majority of families kind of live um, um, kind of a little bit below budget, like in a poor setting. And that was the family that I came from who were really, really very poor. No electricity, no indoor plumbing, uh, food, very scarce, very poor existence. Yeah, um, electricity was epileptic. At times, you can go without electricity for up to a month. And um, there was no indoor plumbing, as in we had to fetch water, get water from, like, you know, other places, other streets. Sometimes we have to walk miles to go get water, and we have to put them in a in cans, you know, jerry cans, and put them on our head and walk back home with it. Wow, <laughs> yeah. wow. But, but in the midst of an unusual family situation, you had uh, love and support, and it, it worked for you guys. Yeah, that was the hallmark of my family. Though there was no money, but there was so much love. There was so much um, discipline. No, you don't, you don't step out of line. And they give it to you. So we grew up in a lot of love. And that's what's made up my character. That we had that kind of very stable, emotional upbringing. Because sometimes we think if a family is poor, then there's no quality of home or relationships are bad. And that's not necessarily the case. You may not have a lot in this world, but man, you can still have loving, healthy relationships and a great family and upbringing. Mm -hmm. So Monica, tell us a little bit about your journey to the Lord. It's a little bit different than maybe uh, uh, we would experience here. So how did you, how did you find yourself coming to the Lord here? Yeah, uh, my story is very unique because um, Jesus found me just at the nick of time at my youth. I was about like uh, 12, 13 when his light beckoned to me and he just drew me into himself because really the Bible said no man can come to him except he draws him. So I started following some family, you know, outside families that go to church. I just fell in love with, you know, Jesus at that age, 12, 13. And I, my parents were not uh, Christians. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. 
But I just fell in love with Jesus, and I, I, I always wanted to go to church. So, like the Bible said, I'm glad, I was always glad when anyone would tell me, let us go to the house of God. So, I will always find a reason to follow somebody to church. If you, if you caught what she said, she had a family that lived close by that invited her to go, and you started just going with yeah, another with family, family. Yeah. initially. And how long? How long was the walk when you went to church? And this family, they would just come by and get you, or you lived close. Yes. Okay. Um, initially, they would come and get me for like about a couple of weeks, some months, and then I just f started finding my way back to church by myself, and uh, would just kind of take a walk for like twenty to thirty minutes. There was no car. But the joy of just going to his presence just kept us going. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So I want to say um, don't forget the importance of inviting people, and especially children. Sometimes God gives you favor. And there was a family that, that played a great role in her life just because they invited her. Hey, why don't you come with us, walk with us. Now, did you catch the fact that she walked 20 minutes and 30 minutes to church too. I mean, when you love the Lord, Wit says a church alive is worth the drive and it's worth the walk or, or whatever, but there was this hunger in her heart. And uh, so uh, we didn't know till later, or we, we kind of connected. She found a local Assemblies of God church. They were going there. So at about 14, the light bulb went on for you and you really begin to follow the Lord. Tell us about that moment. Yeah. About 14, I um, kind of uh, gave my life to Christ, and um, um, it was in an assembly, Assemblies of God Church, Nigeria. And when I came here, and from the first day I came here, I, my spirit settled here. I just felt connected, and I didn't know why until later, and I discovered that this is Assemblies of God Church. I was like, God, I am home. <laughs> yeah. So... I gave my life to Christ about 14, 15, and since then, my life has never been the same. I, God has just showed up in my life. I started, I, I was baptized and with the gift of speaking in tongues, and then the glory of God just, just showed up in my life, and the light of God came into my family and started doing wonders. Yeah. So what was a Sunday morning like at your Assemblies of God in Nigeria? Tell us a little bit about a church service there. Yeah. Um, you know, Assemblies of God Nigeria, Assemblies of God America, they are just the same, more or less, in terms of worship. Because what drew me then was the worship. And when I came here, the first thing that drew me was the worship. And I was like, wow, this is great. So they have the worship and they have the word. Those were the two things that, you know, uh, nurtured me through my teens. And that was the very strong uh, foundation for me because I had to leave the church later on. And all through my journey, I'm like 44 now, for more than 20, 30 years, it is the foundation that I had in Assemblies of God that kept me going. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Their church service was from 9 a.m. to 12. It's about three hours. Some of you wouldn't make it through that. <laughs> so, uh, but, hey, if you walk 30 minutes, you got to wring everything out that you can before you go home. So, <laughs> Monica, you came to the Lord. You graduated high school. Um, you were the first one in your family to get admission to college yes. and to go to college. Yeah. And God 
has blessed you? Just walk us through maybe your kind of academic career real quick. Okay. Um, real quick, God showed up in all areas of my life. I, if I start talking, it's, it will take days. But I'm just like going to cap it in terms of my academics. I'm number eight in, my, in a family of 16. And up till the number seventh, they finish high school and they just remain there. There was this limitation in the family. But because Christ had taken me up and the light of God was in me, that yoke was broken and I became the first person to get into college. And I became the first graduate in the family and the first PhD holder. So the, the, the light of God has just been channeling me and opening doors and setting me up on high in terms of my academics and in all areas of my life. That's great. She is now a professor at FAMU uh, teaching microbiology. So if there's any questions about microbiology, we got you covered here. So we just want you to, want you to know that. Uh, and we've got a picture of her family, Amarose and Maxwell. Well, that's her, that's her extended family, yeah, number one. Uh, a few years ago at, uh, at her father's uh, 80th birthday. And uh, then we've got another family picture there, there's her kids, Amarosa and Maxwell. They go to Fairview Middle and Rikers. So what would you say to someone, uh, Monica, who might feel a little hidden? I mean, you're in Nigeria. You're number eight out of 16, but God has done something great in your life. What would you say to someone today about maybe opening your heart up to the Lord this morning? I can say one thing for sure. That the day you decide to accept Jesus is the best day of your life. It is the best decision that you can ever make in life. The decision to go to college, it's a good one. The decision to get married is beautiful. I have known the love of a husband. I have known the love of children. I have known the love of a beautiful career. I have known what it means to have the best of education. At least that is the highest degree, the PhD. But there is a vacuum in every soul that only the presence of God can feel. And the minute you give your life to Jesus, just like he said in Romans chapter 8, for those he foreknew, he knew you in your mother's womb. He predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his son. And for those that he predestinated, he called. God is calling everyone every day. Open your heart. And for those he called, he justified. You don't need to come to him righteous. He loves you just as you are. And then for those that he justified, he glorified. My life is a living testimony. Thank you. Monica, thank you. Amen. Hand the microphone to Morris. So a lot of you know, know this guy. This is Morris Davis. He is one of our deacons. You see him. Uh, as an usher, and he's got a story to tell. So, Morris, where where were you raised? Where were you born and raised? I was uh, born in Panama City. Uh, we moved a little bit during my early childhood, and I was we lived in Perry, Florida, for uh, 14 years. That's okay. where I was raised up. So, Morris, uh, you're born four or five years old, doing doing well. Health is all good. Somewhere around six years of age, you started having a little health complication. Tell us tell us about that. Uh, around uh, six, almost seven years old, uh, I started having pain in my hips, and uh, uh, mother took me to the local doctor to start with, and uh, she took me a couple times, and he told her that 
it was just uh, growing pains. I'd be fine. Don't worry about it. And uh, she said I continued to complain about it and was laying in bed at night crying with pain in my hips. And so she contacted a local uh, nurse, and she, the nurse said that she would get in touch with somebody and would have me looked at. And uh, at that point, uh, with, I saw a doctor here in Tallahassee. It was the Crippled Children's Commission at that time. Morris, what was the, the diagnosis that they gave you and your mother? Um, they took x-rays, and they found that uh, my hip bones were deteriorating, both of them. The left hip bone was almost completely gone, and the uh, right hip bone was almost halfway gone. Um, it was diagnosed as bilateral leg perthes disease, which is a uh, bone deterioration in your the socket part, I mean, the ball part of your hip bones. Uh, it's... Currently, it's four in 100,000 children are come down with it, and it's more prevalent, and it's 10% and it's 10 or less of that is bilateral, where it's both legs are affected. Um, so, the, and so immediately, they put you in a cast, and what was the prognosis for you, Morris? Uh, mother said that whenever they did the x-ray that day, they put me in the hospital that day, and they cast both legs from hip to toe, and they put a board between my legs and kept my legs separated uh, to get the pressure off of my hips and uh, the doctors told her that I'd be a and they were at, they're preparing braces for me to go on and uh, that's why they keep me immobile till I got the braces on uh, I wore the cast for uh, about three months uh, which was the last three months of my first grade and then um, they told her that I'd be a grown man before I ever got the braces off and that I would probably always have one on my left leg, which was the one that was the most deteriorated. Yeah. We've got a couple of pictures here of Morris kind of kind of. That's that, me on the far right. Kind of that Casey season. The haircut hasn't changed, so you can uh, <laughs> figure out which one's Morris. He's on the on the left, mm. and uh, I think there's one of the braces that, that's on at that particular time. So, Morris, I mean, up to this point, man, you're out running in the yard, and everything's good. Then all of a sudden, man, you're not... You were immobile, and your embraces. So what was that that season of life like for you? Um, I don't have a whole lot of recollection of it uh, on a day to day basis. Uh, there's certain parts that I remember. Uh, I remember having to wear the braces and putting them on. Uh, I was the braces came from my mid uh, waist, from my chest down to my legs, and they connected into the shoes. And I had to wear them uh, anytime I was up out of the bed. And um, I was in the first grade. I missed the last three months of that. Then I was in the second and grade on. And um, I got uh, some uh, stuff at school where I was a cripple boy at school. Um, and I had crutches on both arms. My butt legs were stiff. I couldn't bend them. Uh, these were the same braces that you see for skunk wear, if you've seen uh, for skunk and uh, I couldn't move unless my legs were still I only could sit down I had to raise two clip, clips off on the brace so I could bend my legs and sit down couldn't wear long pants had to wear shorts and uh, so I was kind of restrained I couldn't get outside and play like most of the kids could at school uh, but mother said that um, I didn't slow me down I was out there with them doing what I could and uh, having fun that's great um, so, Morris, uh, you guys are attending First Assembly in Perry, Florida. Correct. It's a particular Sunday morning, a life-changing moment. Tell us about that Sunday morning. Well, there was a missionary there that Sunday morning preaching, and uh, 
He was preaching on healing, and uh, at the end of the service, uh, of course, we did go to Assembly of God Church also down in Perry, the First Assembly. And um, so I went up to get prayed for, and uh, at that point, I think I had began to realize that I was going to be in these braces the rest of my life. And uh, it had started, apparently it had started weighing on me that uh, I wasn't going to be just like everybody else. I wasn't going to be able to run and play and jump like everybody else. And uh, we had been in church. We always stayed in church. Mother made sure we were in church. And uh, that Sunday morning, uh, the preacher was preaching. He wanted people to come down to get prayed for. So uh, I, got, I went down and was standing there and was praying for God to heal me. And uh, I just asked him to heal me that Sunday morning. And about that time, I felt a warm feeling go through both of my hips at that point. And I knew at that point God had touched me and healed me. And uh, after church, I told Mother, I said, God touched me this morning, and I'm healed. And she said, well, you're going to wear the braces till we go back and see the doctor. And uh, she was telling me uh, it was like two weeks later we went back to the doctor. And on that trip, they took the brace off of the left leg completely. Uh, the leg was healed. And they left the one on the right leg, which is the one you see in the picture. So they took x-rays again that trip. And then they found that the, uh, that leg was well also. So they took the brace off the next trip. So six weeks later after God touched me, I was out of the braces. I was probably eight, maybe nine years old at that time. So I wore braces about three years. Amen. God touched Amen. me. Amen. That's great. That's great. Of course, if you know Morris, he's a very active person today. He's uh, taking advantage of this healing. Uh, Morris is a runner, so uh, he uh, runs in all kinds of 5Ks, 10Ks, marathons, uh, does that. Also, he is one of the best cloggers that there is in Tallahassee. So, uh, you know, he's just very active uh, with the work of the Lord and... Uh, he just told me this off the cuff just a few months ago. I'm like, Morris, that is a great story. So, Morris, we just give praise to God for, for you and what he, what he did in you as a child. So that's great. All right, next story, Lauren. Lauren. Lauren uh, Harmon, it's good to have you with us this morning. Thank you. And uh, so just start off, tell us a little bit about your family at the very beginning, uh, kind of bumping the road initially. And uh... So I was born in Fort Lauderdale and um, was put up for adoption. I was adopted at six weeks old. And this summer I actually got to meet my biological mother's side of the family. You can let him come up here. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's um, all right. I found out at that time that the reason I was put up for adoption was because there was a very strong history of abuse between my biological mother and my biological father. Um, so I was adopted at six weeks old and have lived in Tallahassee. This is home, always has been. Um, and my parents have been married for 45 years and have never attended the same church at all, ever. Um, the only rule growing up was, we don't care where you go to church, you just have to be in church on Sunday. So here, there, went to First Baptist. Um, it didn't matter. They just said, 
be at church. Sure. But and there was a particular time that the Lord really got a hold to your heart. Tell us that journey. Um, so First Baptist Tallahassee does or used to do a summer trip called Challenge. And there were days where we were biking 80, 90 miles in a day. Um, you know, we biked the whole Blue Ridge Trail one time. Um, and that is hard. <laughs> that is very hard when the next day you're going to be climbing a rock. And at that point, I was on, literally hanging on the side of the mountain saying, I, I can't do this. And God goes, yes, you can. You can do it with me. And it was hanging on the side of the mountain that I accepted Christ as my Savior. A little different than you and I. <laughs> Thank God. So uh, that's great. Um, so you're going on in your life, and um, uh, you, you, you meet someone. How did, how did you meet Nathan and got married? Um, so I was actually dating Nathan's roommate when we met. We became really close friends. Um, and he kind of just took me as, and took care of me as a friend. And um, when I needed car work done, he would take care of that. When my brother needed help with things, Nathan would take care of it. And, you know, that other relationship ended, and Nathan and I stayed friends. And somehow that friendship evolved to dating, evolved to I'm taking care of you, and this is my forever. And he has taken care of me. So when you broke up, he was there to comfort her. <laughs> yeah. And Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. So uh, they got married. We got a little picture there of their, their yep. wedding day. There we go. Yeah. So always remember that, guys. Be there to comfort on the breakup. <laughs> okay. So we got married um, actually 10 years ago, and um, so I guess later, I'm, we were in our late 20s when we got married, and knew we wanted a family, but didn't know how long it would take to have a family. My, just with all of everything that can happen, especially being as later, we decided to start not actively trying to have a family, but not stopping having a family. Um, and we were blessed with our first baby the week before our first anniversary. Yeah. So, but you had some complications. I did. Um, yeah. I was put on bed rest at 28 weeks. Uh, so I had to stop working. Um, was able to stay on bed rest at home for a few weeks. And that wasn't going quite well. And so they said, you're not leaving the hospital. You, you're going to be upstairs, and we're going to be monitoring you a lot. And that was hard because we're in our first year of marriage, and I'm sleeping in the hospital. Nathan's working all day, and he has to go home. We had dogs. Yeah. You can't just not take care of your animals. So it was like we were dating all over again. And then you have a little boy, we little Ethan, your first Ethan. one. There's there you go. Ethan at a few days old. Yeah. Um, and he was amazing. Um, I knew that as he was getting older and not hitting milestones, I had been an, taking care of other kids long enough to know, okay, well, he should be doing this by now, and he's not. 
it didn't raise a lot of red flags until we went in for a well check and they said, you know, will you just fill out this form for us? It's part of Florida State. They're just doing a research study and we're giving it to all of our 9, 10, 11, 12 month well check kids. And so I did and I filled it out. And a couple of weeks later, I get a call from Florida State saying, hey, you know, he's got some red flags for development. Can we bring him in and just interview you and watch him and play with him some? Sure, why not? You know, it's a research project. We'll help however we can. Um, and this went on and on. And he continued not hitting milestones. Um, not walking on time, not talking on time. He was a sweet baby. He was a good baby. He was a loving baby, um, but never raised any big red flags for me as far as what Florida State was looking for. Um, so you get the you get the call with the final diagnosis. Tell us that, and then how did you and Nathan kind of deal with that moment? So um, we had had our second daughter, Rosalind. And about two months later, Florida State is like, okay, we've, we've been following this little boy for three years now. Um, so he was four. And they said, you know, we have enough evidence that he um, is on the autism spectrum. And it was a sense of relief because there was this sweet boy who would have meltdowns because you put the wrong Thomas car to the wrong body and that was the end of the world and he didn't have the communication to explain to us um, but it was this relief saying okay well we're not crazy but at the same time it was I was telling Pastor Brian it was kind of hard because he looks like a normal child he acts like a normal child most of the time there's not a outward sign of a physical disability because it's not a, it, there's nothing you can't look at a child and go oh that child definitely has autism sure. so you you've got three other kids we've got a uh, picture of their we have beautiful family now. there um, Ethan is nine Rosalind's five Benjamin who you heard is two and Catherine is almost 11 months old, which I'm not admitting. But but now, <laughs> along the way, each one of them has had a health challenge as well. Can you tell us about that? Um, so because Florida State, um, it was the Autism Institute at Florida State is who diagnosed Ethan, they, in their research project, they wanted to follow each child. And Rosalind also was delayed. She um, was 14, 15 months before she started walking. Benjamin actually didn't start walking until this past January when I was in the hospital having Catherine. Um, and Rosalind has been giving, given an autism and anxiety diagnosis. And Benjamin also has been diagnosed with autism. Wow. So we have um, a very full day. <laughs> so what, what does your day look like? You have three on the autism spectrum and... Your homeschooling as well. So, what does your day look like? That may be a little different for everyone else. So, uh, more our days, think because we are thankfully able to homeschool. I can tailor each day to how each child is reacting that day. So, if one of them needs more outside running around time, I can say, "Go outside." We'll have morning time. Go outside. We'll work on JBQ questions or what have you. Go outside. If it's a therapy day, we're able to tailor 
each and every day exactly how each child needs their day to be tailored. That's great. Uh, One reason why I wanted you to get to know Lauren, because in the midst of a great family challenge that she faces every day, uh, man, she is an advocate. She is involved. Her kids are in JBQ. They're involved as much as possible in, in church and other organizations. And uh, so you're involved with uh, Hang Tough, which uh, is just tell them a little bit about so Hang Tough. Hang Tough is an amazing organization in Tallahassee that serves not just autism families, not just special needs families, but any medically challenged family, be it childhood cancer, um, I know we have some cerebral palsy kids, we have some Down syndrome kids, and they give all of these families a safe space, a space to come and talk about challenges they're having, whether they're, you know, I need help finding G-tube feeding bags, to we had Santa Day this week. They had Friday and Saturday, Santa, and they had Santa that was safe for immunocompromised kids and kids that needed kind of their own safe time, calm time to see Santa. And if a child doesn't want to look at Santa, they had a chair next to Santa for Rosalind to sit in because she's not going to look at Santa. <laughs> she will not look at Santa. She did not acknowledge it. But they, they give gifts to each child, and they just love on all the families, and it's an amazing resource in Tallahassee. It's called Hang Tough. So if you know someone that might uh, have need of this or you'd like to volunteer, it is a great organization. We have several families with our church that are involved in that as well. So Lauren, like you're in the midst of the fire right now. In 20 years, you'll come back and tell us how you did it once you write your book and you're on your tour. But like right now, you're kind of in the fire. What role does faith play in the midst of your daily life and the season that you're walking through now? You know, um, I know that, and it's very cliche, Christ is never going to, God's never going to give us more than we can handle, but it really and truly is true. There's, there are days where I'm going, I, I can't do this, and somebody brings me coffee, or somebody comes and goes, you know what, let me, let me take your son to dance for you today. There, we have family in town that I wouldn't be able to do what we do without our family, without our support. And so I have tried to help other families and help support other families. And, you know, I have with my friends that are going through the same things. I have an open door policy. If you need me, you can call me, text me, message me any time of day. So even in the midst of our own journey, man, there's a heart that's open to help others if you can. So, Lauren, there may be parents, single moms here, adults overstressed with life, parents dealing with a uh, maybe a physical challenge of their own child. What would you say to them this morning, maybe as an encouragement? It, it will, you will get through it. it. It might feel like you are going through it and there is no end in sight, but there is an end. And, you know, um, we've got a friend who's dealing with a lot of regressions. And I said, you know, a lot of times when we've had those regressions, whether it's speech or what have you, there's something big happening in their, in their brains, and their bodies. There's something really big happening. And you are going to be blessed when you get through that regression, when you get that, through that low spot. Amen. Amen. Lauren, thank you for sharing your story this morning. Ryan, first of all, 
If you're on Twitter and you don't follow this guy, you are missing some fun. That's all I'm going to say. So uh, That's probably not true. <laughs> Ryan, uh, very early in your life, you're born with a health challenge over your life. So maybe tell us what you've explained it to us, kind of what, how, how that occurred. Well, I have cerebral palsy. Uh, so um, this has been something that I've dealt with, you know, every day. But... Uh, on the cerebral palsy spectrum, my affectation is relatively minimal. I mean, you know, I, I can't walk, but uh, I don't really have any other uh, symptoms, you know, um, no mental acuity issues or, you know, my overall motor function is pretty good. Uh, you know, nothing that was really ever a, a stumbling block or something that, I, you know, I couldn't deal with. So, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, uh, if you if you got to pick one, you know I sort of won the lottery with that, so yeah. not not too bad. Um, but you know, obviously, it's it's something where no one would choose that. You you wouldn't say, oh well, I'll I'll take that, you know. But I've been lucky enough to be around plenty of people in my life that not only have been supportive, but that I've also been able to see uh, have had issues of their own that maybe I wouldn't want to trade with them either. So everybody everybody has their stuff. You just figure out how to, you know, get around it. Sure. How, how old were you when you realized maybe your life is going to be a little different? Um, probably from the beginning. I mean, I, you know, because my disability is so visible, I mean, there's no there's no hiding it. You know, I mean, it is what it is. I, I can't walk. There's, you know, there, there's not much... Uh, there's not much confusion there. So it was, I, I was always pretty highly socialized because we were in church every day or, you know, I went to preschool, or whatever. So you're, you're around other kids your age all the time. And uh, so it was pretty apparent. But at the same time, I was very lucky, have been lucky throughout my entire life. I never, I never had a, a bout of uh, bullying or anything like that. Surprisingly enough, like I, I've never run into anyone in my life that sort of treated me differently. So it allowed me to sort of develop on my own and who I was going to be without having to worry about, oh, I don't want to go to school today or I don't want to do this because I've got, you know, somebody who's picking on me. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where you don't think anything about it at five, but it, at 35 you realize, well, God's always kind of, you know, been there. So. Yeah. Uh was there a low moment in your life, maybe uh, initially a low season when you realize, hey, this is, this is for the long haul here? Not, not particularly. I, I mean, I, I, can, I can honestly think of maybe three different moments in my life where I had just some weak spot and had some tears about it or whatever. But, and then I'd, even as I'm like sitting there, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you know... Again, it, this, it, if I had my, if I could have been like on the outside looking in on my life, I, I, I wouldn't have said, oh yeah, I'll take that. Like that's, but I mean, what, what are you going to do, right? You, you can, you can decide to let whatever your issue is, be it, you know, some physical disability or family challenge, some financial struggle, whatever you can, you can decide that that's going to define you and that's going to be who you are or it's not going to be. Um, the one thing that I, I truly believe, other people will treat you how you treat yourself. So if I wanted to, you know, 
feel poorly about it or what, then everybody else would too. And we'd all sit around and be like, oh, that's terrible. But if you don't, then no one else treats you that way either. So uh, I just, I realized that for me, I, I was just, I was always okay with it. I never, I never felt like, oh, I wish this was different. I, I, I told you on the phone, but I, not once in my life have I ever prayed to be done. I haven't. I, I like I like being me, and I think that uh, a lot of that has to do with my parents too. You know, um, I did not expect to like get a little emotional about it, but yeah, I, I, I um, yeah, but no, there, I, there was I do. a time like even when you were going through therapy that you told me about, you just yeah. kind of crashed one. Yeah, day. I did. I, I, there was one time we were doing some physical therapy, and I I just I asked the the lady who was working with me at the time. I said, you know, is there a chance that I'm ever going to get you know better? And she said, no, not really. And, like, I knew that, like, you know, inherently, I knew that. But it's like hearing those words for the first time, it was, uh, I, I did, I had kind of a, a little bit of a breakdown there. And like I said, even as it's happening, I'm like, what are, what are you doing? But um, all throughout my life, there's just been people who have just come along and, you know, reassured me that it's all good. And, you know, uh, even, I mean, I have a pretty strong belief in myself, but, no one carries that through if you don't have people around you that are telling you the same thing. Like, eventually, it would, it would become too much, but uh, it tell, hasn't been. Tell us about your faith journey. You are raised in church, didn't yeah. have a choice. Nope, didn't. You know, uh, but, yeah, I but think, eventually uh, you made it personal here. So. I, I did. Uh, yeah, I think uh, my dad's, you know, been going here more than 40 years, so I, I, didn't, really have, I didn't really have much of, a, much of a shot one way or the other. But, no, um, I was I was eight years old and I was a it was a Sunday night. Uh, I was probably sitting somewhere around there because we were facing the other way at the time. But um, it was my mom and I, and the, it wasn't supposed. To, it wasn't like some grand salvation message. I'll never forget the guy was he he did a whole uh, sermon on like the end times and the antichrist, and he had like this model over there like showing what the and I was like yo can we just get to the end so that I can raise my hand and not have to deal with this I, I mean like that you know like that's that that's really I mean it was I was like if we could just speed this along you know um but no uh you know from from that moment you know uh, I accepted Christ as my savior and uh I won't I I won't say that it's I've never been away from church or really away from God, but, you know, there's obviously been ebbs and flows to that, um, but that kind of, you know, goes back to your other question about low moments. I think that having my uh, disability and sort of having my own fallibility sort of in the forefront all the time, it it just sort of always lets you know, like, yeah, like, I need, I need a Savior, I need somebody, because there are times when, you know, whatever, he's the only one you can talk to, you know what I mean? So I think that um, for me, it, I, to say it was uh, necessary, I, I do sort of believe that. I don't want to, like, get weird and say that, you know, I think that I'm only a Christian because I have a disability. But I, I do think that uh, for me, just having that constant reminder of, like, you can't do this by yourself uh, has been beneficial. Uh, so you graduated from NFC, TCC, Flagler. You went to law school in San Antonio. You lived by yourself. Yeah. Just take a moment. Tell us what was that season like? Well, um, 
it was it was a little nerve wracking. Uh, I I ended up not um, completing the academics. Law school wasn't everything that I thought it was going to be. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. But um, that nine months, twelve months that I was there, I probably learned more about myself than at any other point in my life. Just because, you know. I've lived up until that point. I'd lived at home, you know, with super mom who does everything, you know. So uh, the the challenges of like just doing laundry, you know what I mean? Like, and I I don't even mean like knowing how to do it because believe it or not, well you would all believe it, but Diane left me like notes everywhere. Like this is how you do this, you know. Um, but like you open the the lid to the washer and there's a note there that says this is what you do. Um, <laughs> Uh, that that's a that's a true story, but the uh, the the physical the physical nature of those activities, you know, uh, completing those tasks daily and just getting my own mail, washing my all, all that stuff. Uh, I mean, it, it was taxing, but it made me realize it's like okay, I always thought I could do this, but you don't really know until you do it, and I and and I I was able to accomplish that. And even in that time, you know, I found a a wonderful church family while I was there and on the holidays that I couldn't come home I had people who took me in and you know allowed me to be a part of what they were doing so you know even even then uh, God was always watching out for That's me. Great. 2014 you're living the dream working for the Florida Bar marriage your sweetheart Alexis three wonderful kids and uh, wow big uh, big curve in life kind of walk us through that. Yeah uh, you know it was uh, it was April 10th uh, it was a Tuesday she called me and she said, hey, I don't, I don't feel too hot. You know, you need to come home. I was like, all right, you know, whatever. So I do, and I had to finish some, some stuff at the office. By the time I, like, texted her to say, yo, I'm actually on the way, her mom called me back and said that they were taking her to the hospital because she, like, couldn't stand up. I'm like, well, that's weird. And if you I'm, – I'm always of the opinion that, like, nothing's really wrong until it is. And so, like, I was like, oh, it'll, it'll be all right. Like, you know, it's whatever. So I was like, okay, well, y'all just tell me what they say. And, you know, well, a couple hours later, you know, they called me back and they ran some tests. And she had had a, a stroke. And uh, so I'm like, okay. Even then I'm like, you know, people come back from this stuff. Like, it's what – and so I go to the hospital and, you know, all of Tuesday and all through Wednesday, you know, she's – Whatever whatever test they're running, the little marker she needs to hit to, like, show progression, she's doing it. We're knocking it out of the park. I'm like, you know, we're going to have a few months of rehab when she gets back, but this will be fine. Yeah. And then Thursday came, and it all just tanked, and she wasn't fine, you know. Sweet Alexis, uh, went to went to be with the Lord. And uh, Ryan, if there's one question that people ask me all the time, is how are you doing? How are the kids doing? Well, until this moment, I was fine. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, re I, I really am. I, I really am doing good. They're do they're doing they're doing wonderfully. Uh, and. I don't know. I think a large part of that is the obviously the support that we've had from uh, my family and from all of you, you know. Um, but I think to I just 
I look back and, you know, throughout my life, if, uh, if, if why is a question that I want to ask, well, then I would just ask it all the time. Because it's like from, you know, from day one to now, it's like, you know, but uh, that doesn't, this kind of goes into the last question, but that doesn't really, that doesn't really get you anywhere. I found um, because we all, if you think about it, we all we all know the why. Uh, you know, a snake totally she was hungry, and that's the why. Uh, you know, I mean, sin. I mean, that, that that's it. it. There's there's no there's no greater thing that I think. Sometimes we try to we try to find an effect for the cause. Like, okay, what's the good that's going to come out of this? And maybe we don't know for. 20 years, but even if, even if we knew in the moment that, hey, 20 years later, somebody need to hear this story and it made them feel better, would that make you feel better at the time? Probably not. So, you know, why is not necessarily the thing. It's, it's really more about the who. I mean, you know, God's still God no matter what. And uh, I never, I, I joke about it all the time. Like, I'm, I'm not, I don't look for signs everywhere. I'm not like, an overly spiritual person in the sense that like everything means something. Yeah. But in that time, it was like, oh yeah, so all this stuff, everything that I've ever, you know, been through, it was all sort of leading up to, to then. And and so yeah, we're we're doing we're doing well, but it's it's because of everything that, you know, he's brought me th- through up to up to now. So can I say um, when I see you on the worship team and Ryan's leading in worship. That's a blessing to me because sometimes things happen in life and you have the opportunity. I mean, you can go bitter. You can be angry, upset with God, bitter with life. And uh, Ryan is not a person that uh, feels sorry for himself at all. You'll never get him in that moment. And I told him this isn't going to be a feel sorry, you know, time for Ryan. But, you know, man, he took a really difficult situation and and Ryan when I see you up here on the stage kind of walking through some of that journey with you during that time it is a uh, blessing and inspiration to me I see your eyes closed I see a song coming from your heart you know that uh, that I know that is genuine Uh, there are people here with challenges today Ryan some maybe even more challenging than uh, what you've walked through, you know, in your life, uh, discouragement, maybe self-pity, maybe a little bitterness. Uh, what would you say to them this morning, kind of as we close uh, out today? Yeah, just, just that uh, you're, always, you're always stronger than you think you are, and especially with God. Um, there's, there's no, I don't mean to be overly cliche, but there's no, there's no mountain that you can't climb. And whether that mountain is actually like the thing that you're dealing with now, like maybe you beat that or maybe you don't, you know, but sometimes it's, it's the recovery afterwards, you know, because I used to always say, oh, it's, it's going to be all right, but sometimes it's not, and that's okay too. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, he's always going to be there, and, uh, and, and that's what, you know, that's what matters. That's the thing. Um, if, if when you see me, you see nothing else, because most of you I know, but some of you I don't. Um, like, I do what I do because he was there, you know. Um, obviously, in the form of my parents and friends and everybody else, but, like, 
through, through it all, like, that's the common theme. Like, you know, God watching out for me, watching out for them putting the right people in my life at the right time. Um, that's the thing. And, and really, if we all sat down and, like, looked at the, our life, I'm not special. If we all looked at our life, we'd all see the same thing. Maybe you don't see it as being God in the moment. But, like, when you're going through the bad thing, you're like, oh, yeah, well, he was there then, and he's there then, and he'll be there now too. And, uh, you know, that, that's the thing. Well, on behalf of our church, we want to say thank you guys for sharing your stories this morning. You did a great, great job. Great job. You can be dismissed. So everybody has a story. Everybody has a journey. Everybody's got a a challenge, you know, in their life. And uh, so what's... What's your challenge? Some of you, I, I wanted you to see one common thread from lives that start in Nigeria to even here in Tallahassee that, that people open their hearts up to Christ. And even through difficult moments, he's carried them through that. He makes a promise that he says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Now, in that promise, it doesn't mean that life is smooth and roses, okay? There are challenges, there are adversities there, but, but, but He has His hand extended to you. Maybe you're here today, you're not where you should be with the Lord. Maybe you've never really accepted Christ. In a moment, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer, and this is your moment to go, Hey, Lord, I need you in my life. Maybe you're going through the midst of a trial, you're going, hey, what's the answer here? I'm telling you, it's Jesus. Maybe you go here all the time. You know Him as Savior, but you're walking through a difficult time. We're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to pray for God's strength and perseverance in your life. Would you stand? Would you bow your heads with me across this building? If you're here today, whatever it is today, maybe you're away from the Lord, maybe you're in the midst of a trial and trouble, and you just say, Pastor, this morning, I just need prayer today, up and down. Would you just raise your hand really quick? Up and down across this building, I see your hands today. I see your hands. So, Lord, I pray. I pray for those in this building today, Lord, who do not know you as the wonderful Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that you will hear the prayer of their heart, the cry of their heart today. And today can be a transformative day in their life. Lord, I pray for those who are going through the fiery trial right now. Lord, I pray for strength. I pray for faith. I pray for perseverance. Lord, I pray for those going through difficult challenges. Whatever that may be, Lord, you are faithful to walk us through those. And I pray that people would sense your closeness and your nearness today. Lord, I pray for those walking through really difficult times right now. God, I pray that you would strengthen them today. Lord, we just give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.